0: We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Make sure uh, you hit that little subscribe button right down there in the corner. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports, we talk what is happening in the sporting news. And with Super Bowl 58 coming around on February 11th, Sunday, February 11th, um, we have Media Day coming up. Of course, a lot of questions were asked about Taylor Swift to head coach Andy Reid of the City Chiefs and also. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, and of course, who else? Travis Kelsey. Um, they answered it in kind of a fun, jokingly way. Um, of course, Taylor Swift has a show in Tokyo, which means she'll fly back right after the show to make the Super Bowl. That gives her a two to three hour leeway. But let's talk about the uh, the 49ers practice fields right now. NFL avoids major Super Bowl embarrassment for now with 49ers practice, practice field problems. This is reported by Jarrett Bell. <clears throat> Las Vegas. Maybe Debo Samuel, the Dynamo receiver with so much swagger, can set the record straight about the condition of the practice fields the San Francisco 49ers are tasked to work on this week at University of uh, North Las Vegas, <clears throat> UNLV. So, they uh, UNLV is going to be a host site for practice fields. After all, the reports have not been good on this ramp up to Super Bowl 58. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, Samuel, replied during the kickoff media session inside Allegiant Stadium on Monday night. That would be Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, who fielded a similar question at his podium several yards away. Um, <clears throat> he said, go ask uh, Debo, Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel was not really uh, prepared or really to answer that question of the practice field at UNLV. He does not like it. Uh, most of the 49ers players do not like it. Um, because they said they just don't like it. It messes with their, with their uh, you know, shoes and everything else. This is what they said. Uh, Super Bowl Central. The question seemed legit enough after a report from Jonathan Jones of CBS revealed that the 49ers were dissatisfied with the practice fields because they were not firm enough after the NFL installed two natural grass fields on top of the artificial turf fields. The 49ers' logistics team, including members of the equipment staff and grounds crew, initially raised concerns during a visit last week to UNLV, which was followed by a visit from GM John Lynch. The 49ers had a light walkthrough session on the fields on Monday and will conduct a full practice on Wednesday. After the team apparently determined there is no feasible alternative, by Monday night, the 49ers had essentially squashed the issue. That's what they think. No situation, Shanahan Kyle Shanahan declared. The players were good with it today and with all, it would all be good with it on Wednesday. Um, that's just him. That's just Kyle Shanahan talking. You know, they don't like the uh, grass put on top of the artificial turf. <clears throat> Although NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell downplayed concerns during his news conference on Monday afternoon, maintained that the fields were very playable and had passed inspection that meets minimum standards. An alternative plan for the 49ers to practice at the Las Vegas Raiders headquarters, where the Kansas City Chiefs are practicing, was floated as a possibility. So the Chiefs have the Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Raiders headquarters while the 49ers have UNLV as their practice fields. Goodell, though, seemed to be having none of that. He, uh, he defended the quality of the fields. We've had 23 experts out there, Goodell said. We've had the union out there. All of them think that's a very playable surface. It's softer than what they have practice on, but, what ha- but that happens. It's well within our testing standards. It is something that we think all of our experts, as well as neutral fields inspectors, have all said unanimously that it's a playable field. An official for the NFL Players Association, uh, contacted by USA Today Sports, had no comment, maintaining that the union will address the issue publicly on Wednesday when its new executive director, Lloyd Howell Jr., will conduct his first news conference that succeeded DeMaurice Smith. The NFLPA... In recent, that's the NFL Players Association. In recent years, have been adamant in raising concerns about the quality of fields and the risk to safety. In this case, a year after criticism surfaced regarding the condition of the game day field used for Super Bowl 57 at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, the 49ers primarily beef is apparently measurable. According to Jones' report, the 49ers prefer a field with a firmness of 70 gravity, units of gravity, 70 G units of gravity. While the practice fields installed at UNLV measured at 50G, that's units of gravity, without surface installed between the sod and the artificial turf, the fields were described as spongy. This is what players said. Uh, This is what 49ers players said. Um, Perhaps the solution comes with raising the standards in any event. The 49ers are resigned to take it as it is. We'll deal with what we've got, Kyle Shanahan said. We're good. We're not going to change our schedule. Imagine disruption that would have ensued if the 49ers had to revamp their practice schedule due to uh, shoddy fields. Talks about the need to limit distractions. Switching practice sites at this point would have been a logistic, logistical nightmare. The optics for the NFL would have been even worse. It would have been a huge embarrassment if one of the teams in the NFL's signature event had to find an alternative practice site. I mean, just think about it. A league worth billions can't even ensure that there are suitable practice fields for a showcase event. Worth billions, of course it is. I mean, even Taylor Swift brought in $335.1 million to the league, and half of that goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's seemingly a hypothetical question now, in part because the 49ers have dropped the issue. It's unknown whether the 49ers were pressured by the league to move on, but it seems clear that the NFL has avoided some embarrassing drama. Shanahan said that he's not worried at all about the conditions of the field. It improves each day. Maybe George Kittle, the thoughtful... 49ers tight end can uh, provide the straight scoop, or maybe there's no headline there. I'm playing football in February. I have nothing to complain about. Kittle said from his podium on Monday night. I'm in Las Vegas at the Super Bowl playing football with my teammates for an extra week. There's only there's only two teams doing it. <clears throat> I have nothing to complain about. No issues for me. So that's a good uh, that's a good uh, attitude to have about that. You know, you go out there, you're going to play the football game. Hopefully, you bring home that championship ring. Then again. Where's Allen Iverson when you really need him to talk about practice? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, it's a uh, little bit of a kind of a dingy situation on the 49ers practice field at UNLV. They don't like it. Um, of course, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell has stated his purpose. He said they had 23 uh, inspectors out there that the field is good. You know, people like to complain a lot about little things. You know, I'm a sports coordinator. I hear it all the time, too. So, uh, but George Kittle had the right uh, the right idea. The San Francisco 49ers tight end, George Kittle had the right idea. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play football. I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to try to bring home that title to the city of San Francisco and to uh, try to get that championship ring. Um, so, yeah. Uh, in other words, too, Roger Goodell was also asked about Taylor Swift, uh involvement with the nfl and uh her impact on the nfl he thinks it's a very good impact on the nfl of course he does it brought in through social media sites through marketing taylor swift has brought in new fans to the nfl and she's brought in 335.1 million to the league so uh and roger goodell nfl commissioner roger goodell has stated that so it's a good thing for the league. It's a good thing for that. You know, people are kind of hating on it. You know, she's dating a guy, Travis Kelsey, who's the, you know, KC Chiefs tight end. Uh, she's a huge star in her own right. You know, she's got millions and millions and millions of fans that have now liked football because of her. So that would probably not even watch football unless it was her watching football. So um, she's brought a lot for the league. You know, Roger Goodell thinks it's a good thing. There's a lot of other people who think it's a good thing. You know, then, you, of course, you have the haters out there, but there's always going to be haters out there. So, you know, it's... You take it with a of salt. Let's move on quick. Uh, this is reported by Fox News. Football. They did a survey. Football surpasses baseball as America's national pastime. This is a survey said. Uh, the Pew Research Center surveyed 12,000 Americans, and the margin was wide. Uh... Everybody kind of looked at baseball as America's favorite pastime. Uh, So in the new survey, it's actually switched over to football. America's pastime is no longer a sport played on a diamond, but rather a gridiron. This is reported by Fox News. A Pew Research Center survey found Americans believe football, not baseball, is America's sport, and the margin is very wide. The survey saw 12,000 adults asked if you had to choose one sport as being America's sport. Uh, even if you don't personally follow it, which sport would it be? Of course, it was uh, football that was chosen. Uh, The question found in a broader survey about sports fandom throughout the United States saw 53% of Americans believe football was America's sport. Uh, Baseball came next on the list at 27%. The rest of the list consisted of basketball, 8%, soccer, 3%, auto racing, 3%, hockey, 1%, and something else two percent. That something else section was the Pew Research Center allowing the surveys to write another sport if need be. This would be golf, boxing, rodeo, and more were written. Furthermore, on football, the survey found that if crushed in every major demographic in the country, whether it was men and women, older and younger, adults and ethnicities like white, black, Hispanic, and Asian Americans. Um, However, while the survey said football is the national sport, it didn't mean the NFL was top of mind for the 12,000 Americans. The survey found that 62% of U.S. adults say they did not follow pro or college sports closely, if at all. Um, It also found that 63% of those adults talk sports with with others just a few times a month or less often. Only 7% of the adults consider themselves super fans of sports. Which categorize as those who talk sports with others often and follow the most popular leagues. So, um, so yeah. So this was reported, reported by Scott Thompson over at Fox News, that twelve they had to the survey on the Pew Research Center. Twelve thousand adults uh, believe that football is a uh, is America's now favorite pastime. Now you have to remember Howie Long, during his induction to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, he said in his speech that. Baseball is America's favorite pastime, but football is truly America's passion. You have to take that in consideration. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's uh, the survey said. Of course, now you have. I know. I've talked to people who are not fans of sports. I don't know why. You know. I think you know sports can really bring people d- together from a divided country. I mean, even Nelson Mandela, uh, former president, I believe of South Africa, said that. Uh, that football and our sports in general, not just football, but sports in general, can can bring people together from a divided country. I, I do believe that. I grew up in sports. Um, everything I learn, I you know, from sports, I take it in everyday life. So uh, so it was one of the greatest decisions I ever made. So yeah, uh, let's move on real quick. Let's move on to baseball real quick. What's going on in Major League Baseball? Here's what the Las Vegas mayor says. About the Oakland Athletics, Athletics should not relocate despite plans. Figure out a way to stay in Oakland. This is comes from uh, the Las Vegas Mayor. This is reported by R.J. Anderson, um, the CBS. Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman offered an unexpected opinion on the Athletics relocation attempts during an appearance on the Front Office Sports Two Day podcast on Tuesday. She thinks she should uh, they should stay in Oakland. Goodman, who also served in her position since July 2011, discusses a variety of topics, including the rise of Las Vegas as a home to multiple professional sports franchises. Naturally, she was asked for her thoughts on the A's relocation attempts, to which she offered surprising candor. Indeed, Goodman revealed that she's developed an odd feeling throughout the process. She said that the A's relocation plans to the Tropicana site don't make sense to her, Explaining that the city had offered the A's what she believed to be a superior site. One located in a historic part of town that features seven access points from local highways. The A's rejected that site. Opti is said to be located on the strip. That decision uh uh that's that decision said, you know, that did not like by the mayor, who reportedly know that the area suffers from tragic congestion woos, which means there's some crime in that area and whatnot, you know. There's, there's could be, you know, a lot of homeless people, prostitution, stuff like that. I thought this does not make sense. And so why is it happening? Goodman said. And then I thought, well, because they really want to stay in Oakland. They wanted to be on the, they wanted it to be on the water. They had the, uh, the magnificent dream yet. They can't get it done. You have to remember, I have some friends who are from Oakland. They went to Oakland A's games this past year. There was hardly anybody there. I mean, the sports has kind of died out in Oakland. That's why the Raiders moved to Las Vegas that's why the Athletics are looking for a new home in the new city, and Las Vegas is one of the top cities, if not the top city in the in the country, to do so. Um, I know they had broke ground on a new uh, on a new baseball stadium for for uh, the Athletics. Um, I've seen the blueprint. It's a magnificent site. It's a beautiful stadium uh, for the what the finished digital version was. Uh, Let's see here. Well, the podcast host asked Goodman if it would be a good thing if the A's do complete their relocation to Las Vegas. She responded by saying, I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland and make their dream come true. Uh, Goodman added, I just know that owner John Fisher, a longtime successful family, in my opinion, needs to listen to the people that are up there. It's their team. Goodman's opinions aside, it's unclear if remaining in Oakland is a realistic consideration for the A's at this point in time. The A's in the city of Oakland have not talked in 10 months, according to a recent report from ESPN. The A's and Fisher in particular have received pushback from their Oakland fans throughout their relocation attempts, including a reverse boycott last season and plans to do another come opening day. Nevertheless, Fisher claimed in August that he has not considered selling the franchise. That despite also claiming that the club has lost significant money. Uh, Fisher estimated net worth is $2.9 billion per Forbes. This comes from Forbes magazine. So what do you guys think? Do you think uh, the athletics will go to uh, Las Vegas uh, and leave Oakland? You know, the Las Vegas mayor, uh, Mayor Goodman, said that uh, they believe, she believes that they should stay there, you know. But you have to remember, Oakland's sports is kind of dying out. You know, nobody hardly, hardly anybody showed up for the Oakland Raiders towards their last couple of years before they moved to Las Vegas, and and hardly anybody is showing up for the Athletics games. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, you just never know about these things. You just never know about these things. So let's uh, let's move on real quick. Let's uh, let's talk about Yahoo Sports. The Kansas City Royals signed with Bobby Witt Jr. to largest contract in franchise history, reportedly worth two. $288.8 million. That's the largest uh, contract in franchise history in Royals history. The Kansas City Royals announced Monday that they signed Bobby Witt Jr. to the largest contract in franchise history. This comes from ESPN's Jeff Passan. The deal is worth $288.8 million over 11 years. A shortstop with power and speed on the base pass, Witt is one of the best young players in baseball. And the contract keeps him with the Royals throughout his prime on a lucrative deal. The deal also arrives a year before Witt would have become... Uh, eligible after the 2024 season. Witt, who is 23 years old, is entering his third MLB season in 158 games last year. He slashed .276, .319, .495 with 30 home runs, 96 RBIs, and 49 stolen bases. His 11 triples led the American League. After struggling on defense as a rookie, Witt showed great strides in his second MLB campaign. He also reduced his strikeout rate. From among the league's worst, 21.4% as a rookie to 17.4% in 2023, placing him in MLB's 79th percentile. Overall, he produced 4.4 WAR in 20, 2023. Uh, the contract includes ops outs for win in years 7 through 10. The Royals have an option for the 11th season to extend the contract by three years at $89 million. That would bring the total value of the deal to $377.8 million over 14 years. The Royals selected Witt out of high school with the number two pick in the 2019 draft. After three years in the minor leagues, which included a minor league player of the year honors in 2021, Witt joined the Royals full time in 2022. He hit 20 home runs and stole 30 bases as a rookie. It finished fourth in the American League rookie of the year voting. He followed that with a 2023 campaign that earned a seventh place finish in MVP voting. So he finished seventh uh, seventh place for the Royals. The contract. Signals an investment in winning on the heels of a 56 106 campaign, and while Jackson County voters face a uh, re- referendum on whether to raise the sales tax to help fund a new downtown baseball stadium. Witt's father, Bobby Witt Sr., played 16 MLB seasons as a pitcher and won a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001. His father now works as his, as his agent and helped negotiate the record setting contract. So, yeah, so congratulations to Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Kansas City, one of the highest, if the highest contract in Kansas City Royals history. Uh, this was announced on Monday. So, yeah, um, congratulations to him. Hopefully, he'll do well. We'll see what happens. Analy- okay, let's move on real quick. Let's talk about the New York Mets. Analyzing Mets payroll situation for 2024 and beyond files measured offseason. Bearing the surprise, the Mets are done making notable free agent signing and trades this offseason, except perhaps possibly inking the injured Brandon Woodruff with an eye on 2025. This means their payroll as it stands right now will likely be the one or give take a little they entered the 2024 season with. And despite a me- measured offseason that was drastically different than any other than the young Steve Cohen era, the Mets will enter the season with one of the highest payrolls or perhaps the top one in baseball. That's because despite the Mets signing and trades, the offseason not being splashy are big in terms of dollars or years. They still have a ton of money on the books this year from deals that were handed out during the last few offseasons. The only major swing the Mets took this offseason under new president of baseball operations, David Stearns, was their first-court press of Japanese ace, uh, sorry if I mispronounced this, Yushinabu Yamamoto Yamamoto, which I believe that's how you say it, which uh, culminates with a contract offered of $325 million. Yamamoto spreading the Mets and Yankees and a host of others to join the Los Angeles Dodgers will hurt New York's ceiling in 2024, but that money not being on the books for the next decade plus should allow even more flexibility to spend next offseason beyond. Much more on that below. Uh... Yeah, so ahead of the 2023 season, New York blew well past the top threshold of what was unofficially dubbed the Steve Cohen tax. That spending brought the Mets' opening day payroll to $330.6 million, a record for any team in the four major sports in the United States. Of course, the 2023 season was a disaster, and Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer was traded at the deadline. Of course, Verlander went to the Houston Astros, went back to Houston Astros. Max Scherzer went to the Texas Rangers. A uh, significant chunk of Verlander and Scherzer's deals are still on the books this season, but things were uh, will clear up in a big way after that year. Scherzer, whom the Mets are paying $30.83 million this season, is off the books after 2024. The Mets are paying Verlander $25 million this season as option vests for 2025, which will happen if he pitches 140 or more innings in 2024. They'll they'll owe him one seventeen point five million in 2025. If it doesn't vest, he's a free agent and off the books. Um yeah, so the Mets payroll just looks kind of scattered throughout. Uh, Louis Severino, one year is 13 million. Harrison Batter, one, one year, 10.5 million. Sean Mania, two years, 28 million. Second year is a player option. Adrian Hauser, trade, buy a trade, one year at 5 million. Uh, <clears throat> Jake Diekman, 1 year roughly 4 million with a second-year option for 4 million. Uh Tyrone Taylor trade via trade 1 year at uh, 2.25 million. Uh George Lopez 1 year is 2 million. So it's kind of scattered throughout throughout the uh, New York Mets organization. So we'll see what happens there, you know. We'll see uh we'll see what happens with the Mets organization. Can they pull it out, you know, if they're not doing well, some players are going to ask for a trade and we'll uh Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Let's move on real quick. Let's talk about the New York Yankees. The Yankees add second lefty reliever to bullpen and Dodgers trade for two pitchers. The Los Angeles Dodgers and New York Yankees have hooked up for another trade. The Yankees have acquired lefty reliever Caleb Ferguson from the Dodgers for two pitchers. Uh, Left-handed pitcher Matt Gage and right-handed pitcher Christian Zazuta, the team announced Monday. Um, This is a second Yankees-Dodgers trade. Involving a lefty reliever this offseason in December, New York landed lefty Victor Gonzalez and the infield prospect uh, Jorbit Vivas for former first-round pick for Trey Sweeney. That helped move the Dodgers' clear 40-man roster spot for Joe Kelly and Shehoy Tante. The Yankees had open 40-man spots after the Juan Soto trade. Um, So, yeah. Ferguson, 27, who's 27 years years old, threw 60 of one-third innings with a 3.43 ERA last year though his .266, .356, .392 line against lefties leaves something to be desired. He started seven games as an opener through the Yankees, rarely deploying the maneuver in 2023. Ferguson will be a free agent after 2024 and will help replace Wendy Wendy Peralta in New York's bullpen. Peralta signed with the San Diego Padres last week. With Ferguson adding Yankees manager Aaron Boone's bullpen figures to look something like this. The closer will be right-handed pitcher Clay Holmes, The set will be right-hand pitcher Tommy Conley, Conley, right-hand pitcher Jonathan uh, Lazaga. Sorry if I mispronounced this. Middle. The middle is right-hand pitcher Scott Efros, left-hand pitcher Caleb Ferguson, left-hand pitcher Victor Gonzalez, right-hand pitcher Ian Hamilton. And the long is right-hand pitcher Luke Weaver. So uh, there's a lot of moving and shaking right now within the Yankees' bullpen, within the Kansas City Royals, within baseball in general. Um, so we'll see what happens there as the start of the season comes around again for Major League Baseball. Um, let's talk about the NBA real quick. Let's talk about the NBA power rankings. The Clippers and the Cavaliers surging ahead of trade deadline. Lakers make a move. If you check the NBA's current heat index, two teams will shatter the thermometer. The Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers both have won nine in their past ten games. So it was a close call for the top five in this week's NBA power rankings coming from the CBS, CBS Sports. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, ultimately, the Clippers moved up a spot from last week to take number one, but the Cavs are about as close as number two as you can get. Both teams are absolutely pounding opponents with net rankings over plus 10 in four four over zero weeks, and neither is showing any signs of slowing. Speaking of trains starting to pick up some momentum, the Lakers moved up four spots this week and land just outside the top 10 thanks to a three-game winning streak sparked by an improbable victory in Boston without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. This week's biggest rise were the New Orleans Pelicans, who won all three games behind some senior scoring from Brandon Ingram. On the other side, we have the Indiana Pacers, who fell seven spots as Tyrese Halbert continues to make his way back from injury. The 76ers also dropped two more spots while they attempted to adjust to life without Joel Embiid for the foreseeable future. We'll see... What changes take place ahead of Thursday's trade deadline? But for now, here are this week's NBA Power Rankings. Uh, Of course, now we have number one, the Clippers, Los Angeles Clippers. Number two, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number three, Oklahoma City Thunder. Number four, Denver Nuggets. Number five, Boston Celtics. Number six, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Number seven, the New York Knicks. Number eight, the New Orleans Pelicans. Number nine, the Sacramento Kings. Number 10, the Phoenix Suns. Number 11, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number 12 is the uh, Orlando Magic. Number 13 is the Milwaukee Bucks. Number 14 is Philadelphia 76ers. Number 15 is the Dallas Mavericks. Number 16 is the Miami Heat. Number 17 is the Indiana Pacers. Number 18 is the Atlanta Hawks. Number 19 is the Golden State Warriors. Number 20 is the Utah Jazz. Number 21 is the Houston Rockets. Number 22 is the Chicago Bulls. Number 23 is the Brooklyn Nets. Number 24 is the Portland Trailblazers. Number 25 is the Toronto Raptors. Number 26, San Antonio Spurs. Number 27 is is the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Number 28 is the Charlotte Hornets. Number 29 is uh, the Washington Wizards. Number 30 is Detroit Pistons. So that is the top coming from CBS Sports. So yeah, so we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens there. Um, Hopefully the Houston Rockets, I'm from Houston, so hopefully the Houston Rockets can pick up the steam a little bit, can move up. And uh, and whatnot, but uh, let's see what what happens there. Uh, let's see here. This comes from Sports Illustrated. It was reported by 18 hours ago. Fifty Cent, who who also lives in Houston, a rapper and uh, musician Fifty Cent, he hops on the Timberwolves bandwagon after Target Center visit. Um, as reporters were waiting for Timberwolves coach Chris Finch for his pregame availability ahead of Sunday night's game against the Houston Rockets, a familiar face entered the media room. It was, however, a surprising guest appearance. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, uh, whose Sire Spirits are the official spirit partner of the Timberwolves, briefly walked through before taking his courtside seat next to Timberwolves owner Alex Rodriguez. Um, you do have a picture of him with Alex. The in-area, the in-area video board at one point panned over to him during the game with his 2003 hit in the club. Blows it over to Target Center Sound says a 50's visit to Minneapolis and Target Center has seen him jump on the Timberwolves bandwagon. On Monday, he said on Twitter that he told Rodriguez during the game that he thinks the Timberwolves are going to win the championship this year. Uh Rodriguez told him that he's an oddly smart guy and that he's wrong he's right on target. <laughs> it's hard to argue with the results. The Timberwolves are currently 35 and 15 and tied with the Oklahoma City Thunder for the top spot in the Western Conference standings. Sunday's win over the Rockets assured Finch that his coaching staff would coach the Western Conference at the NBA All-Star Game on February 18th in Indianapolis. 50 said isn't the first rapper to make predictions about the NBA in 2016. The Thunder blew a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals on the Golden State Warriors. Many NBA fans speculated that it was because of a curse that Lil B, the base god, placed on Kevin Durant. He lifted a curse the following year after Durant joined the Warriors. Lil B is a Bay Area guy, and Durant won his first championship in Golden State. Yeah. Meanwhile, after a bizarre halftime performance during the Milwaukee Bucks game in 2019, Ja Rule placed a curse on the Timberwolves for a 30-year championship drought after his social media team poked fun on the rapper on Twitter. Oh no, a decades-long title drought for a uh, Minnesota sports team. How will fans possibly cope? That said, Ja Rule also predicted Carl Anthony Towns would leave in free agency, so his curses perhaps aren't quite as powerful as little bees. And now the Minnesota Timberwolves have the 50-cent blessing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, well, uh, you know, everybody kind of, sort of, sports fans in general, sometimes believe in curses. You know, remember Boston Red Sox, for the longest time, for for decades, had the curse of the Bambino. And then they finally won the uh, World Series. Um, Of course, now you have curses that rappers are giving to NBA players, our NBA organizations in generals. You know, the question is for you guys. Do you guys believe in that? Comment on the section below. Do you guys believe in the curses and sports curses and whatnot? You know, we'll we'll see. Uh, Let's move on real quick. Did you know that the number one sport that's coming up in America is pickleball? Now pickleball is a is a racket. Now, if you, anybody who doesn't know who pickleball what pickleball is, pickleball is a racket or paddle sport in which two players or four players hit a hit a hollow plastic ball with paddles over a thirty-four inch high net until one side is unable to return the ball or commits a rule of infraction. Pickleball is played indoors and outdoors. That comes from Wikipedia. Pickleball was first played in nineteen sixty-five at Bainbridge Island, Washington, in the U.S. The highest governing body is International Federation of Pickleball. Um, really, pickleball, uh, anybody could play it. It could be a young sport, it could be an older sport. It's kind of like golf in a way where young people could play and old people could play it. Older people could play it. Um, Andre Agassi and uh, Steffi Graf, a lot of former tennis players, also Maria Sharapova, John McEnroe have taken up pickleball as another kind of an outlet for them after they've retired from the world of tennis. Um so this past uh this past couple of days we had the pickleball slam and it was for charity. It was between Andre Agassi, former uh, 8 Grand Slam champion of tennis, Andre Agassi and his wife Steffi Graf against Maria Sharapova and John McEnroe. Uh both played a few a few uh sets, a few tournaments, a few games. The tournament was for charity to raise $50,000. Um, Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf end up winning the Pickleball Slam tournament. And uh, what, what did they get? They donated $50,000 to the charity of their choice. Plus, they get, uh, for the championship run, they get a couple of uh, music, musical guitars, musician guitars. I believe it's electric guitars they were handing them. So that's kind of cool. Uh, congratulations to Andre Agassi and uh, Steffi Graf. And also, congratulations to Maria Sharapova and John McEnroe. It was for a good deed. It was a charity tournament and whatnot. So, yeah, so that's pretty cool in general. And uh, that does it for our show, this episode for the Matthew Parrish Show. Listen, guys, make sure you like and subscribe. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Parrish Show. We talk sports. We talk what is happening in sporting news. And uh, I'll be back soon. I'm going to give you my Super Bowl thoughts. I'm going to give you – Super Bowl Sunday leading up to that. It's going to be great. It's going to be – I'll give you my afterthoughts. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you like and subscribe, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, take care. Bye.